Welcome back to the i2 podcast. I'm excited for today's episode. You know, our passion is to see the influence and everyone lead to impact everywhere. And we've got a brother, a real brother and a brother, a guy that I've met <laughs> in years. And uh, man, he's doing everything everywhere. But you talk about maximizing influence. This brother is doing it. I got my man, Sam Collier today. Sam, what's up, bro? How you doing? Gosh, you the man, baby. Listen, I'm just honored to be here. I didn't even know you had this podcast because I, <laughs> because I was probably sitting under a rock somewhere. Um, but man, you listen, you're an influencer. You're killing it in a space and in a part of the world uh, where not many people are killing it at. And so um, it's an honor to meet you, bro. I know we, I mean, to be with you. I know we, yeah, we've bro. seen each other so many times in different spaces. And, you know, it's just been kindred spirit. It's just been family. It's been love. So I'm honored to be on this platform today, man. I, whoever's listening, y'all keep listening because this brother is incredible. Get with him, stay with him, lock in. So, and yeah, we both yeah. ball. We both ball. So that's a I, good thing. Hey, I was just gonna say, number one, thankful for both of the listeners that are listening. Mom and dad, what's up, guys? How you doing? <laughs> but it was one of those things. It's like, man, I, I still remember being in that room, and there was prayer and conversation, and you started talking about. Uh, reconciliation and diversity. And it was like, man, there's something about what he's saying that connects with my story, with where I've been. We're both bald now. We got, <laughs> we got our glasses on. You know, a lot of times I got my goatee. Me too, <laughs> you know me too, saying? right. But like your, your, your story, man, connected so much with some of my experiences. I'd love for those who are listening just to, first of all, start with your story, which I just, I say this, I know you've got a book that's yeah. like in pre-release, I think release date is August 2020, <laughs> called The Greater Story. Yeah, Is that man. what it's called? Come it's on, a, man. It's A Greater Story. A Greater Story. Same thing, though. You type in The Greater Story, Sam Collier, A Greater Story, Sam Collier. Come on. It's coming out on Baker Publishing August 4th. Holla at your boy. Come on, listen, pre-order right now. Help your boy get on some Come list on. or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yes. I'm so excited about Come it, man. On, it, man. It's, it, it truly is a wild story. It's an incredible story. Um, it started, you know, and I'll just, just really briefly, you yeah. know, it started, um, I, you know, at two months, I got adopted um, mm. by an incredible couple. Me and my twin sister were born into poverty. Um, hmm. Crazy situation. Dad addicted to crack cocaine. Mom, extremely poor, going through a lot. Um, and she had three kids already. She has two more. That's five kids age 21. Wow. Um, and she's, you know, kind of faced with the decision of whether or not, you know, to keep us or raise us in poverty, you know, raise us in poverty or give us up. And um, so she gives us up for adoption, ma'am. Mm. And um, we get adopted by a lovely couple who had just given their life to Christ for the wow. first time. My dad's wow. third marriage and mm. my mom's second marriage. And this was their opportunity to do it right. Wow. And, uh, and so, man, they adopt us and raise us in Christian home, mm. you know, introduce us to Jesus. My dad pastors for four years. I'm raised on the streets of Auburn Avenue because my dad had, had a barbershop down on Auburn mm. and uh, right across the street from the Martin Luther King Jr. Center. Uh, wow. Right on the same street as the SCLC, Southern Christian Leadership Conference, wow. which is Martin Luther King's only organization. Mm. Um, and it's, it's wild now that I'm working with his daughter all the time because right. I grew up on the street that he grew up on. I mean, it's just been like, it's this wow. crazy 
mm. thing. And I keep learning more things about my story as we go on and as family comes out of nowhere and so on and so forth. So, man, that, that was my childhood, man. Wow. And long story short, I won't, get, I won't let the cat out of the bag, <laughs> but I will say we, we were on the Steve Harvey show. Yeah. Some crazy mm. things happened, and we discovered so much about our story. In fact, uh, today, when we're recording this, um, there's going to be an episode that comes out on Steve Harvey's Facebook wow. um, platform right now. And it's, mm. not his, it's not his show. It's, his, it's a segment that he's doing called Mentorship Mondays. Wow. And me and Steve re- reunite with two other young boys that have been, wow. I think they've gone through some adoption types of things. And, uh, and we talk, man. And I, I tell Steve about the book. So it's, it's probably, by the time they listen wow. to this, it'll be out. Go on Steve Harvey's Facebook and Instagram, and me and him are wrestling with some of this stuff. Wow. I mean, first of all, I didn't know this when I first met you, but I, I started to find <laughs> out about your story later, and I go and I look up the episode where you're on the Steve Harvey show. Bro, you were on the Steve Harvey show. And, it was crazy, bro. And, like, you share your, your, your story, and, and you're there with your sister, and then just yeah. the whole episode, the way it unfolds. I mean, I was emotional and just like getting even a greater glimpse. People are the way they are because of the experiences that they've had. That's and right. you, you just talk about your history and your story. And I love how God has like put you in a position now where you're not only using your story to inspire people, to compel people, but you're drawing out some of the, the, the points in your story that people can take for their own story. And understand the story that God is telling through their life. I think one of the things that you always say is that when our story connects with God's story, it leads to yeah. a greater story. Did I get that right? That's right. <laughs> Come I mean, on, baby. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm stealing it. I'm stealing that, man. And Come it's on, so man. real. Yeah, man. And that, that started for me at North Point Ministries. Yeah. Many people know, or some people don't, many, some people don't know, but some people do know my, yeah. my kind of claim to fame, if you will, in the Christian space. It started um, at New Birth, Bishop Eddie mm. L. Long, but it really came to fruition um, with Andy Stanley down at North yep. Point Ministries. And, you know, I always say this, you step on that North Point stage and Mm. You know, it's like getting a Harvard degree, you know, it's like, right. you know, people stamp you and so on and so forth. But Jeff Henderson, who is one of the lead pastors there, who used to be yep. over all sports marketing at Chick-fil-A, mm. saw the Steve Harvey episode and said, Sam, you got to figure out how to tell this story in wow. a sermon form. And he said, I want you to tell it in the middle of this series that we have mm. called Cast Member. Wow. And, you know, he's a marketing genius. So he mm. just crashed these statements and these words and, the, and it just comes out of nowhere. He's just like talking. Wow. And the idea of cast member is that God is telling an incredible story and mm. we get to be a part of it. We're, we're a cast member in the story. And so I'm telling Jeff, you know, I'm like, how do you want me to tell it? What should I say? He said, well, just tell me the story. So I start telling the story. He says, I want you to tell it just like that. You know, and, wow. so, and, and so I'm like, you know, North Point is all about bottom line. And Hmm. so I'm like, what's the bottom line of the story? And he said, well, Sam, you know, the bottom line for the series is when your story connects to God's story, Mm. it leads to a greater story. Come on. He said, and so why don't you, why don't you just keep that, you know, Mm. and map, you know, because you're, because we're all a part of God's, you know, story and and, and our ability to connect to what he's already doing, right, will determine whether or not we access that greater story. I mean, we know people 
who who are in life Come that on. they they miss the greater story. I think yeah. I mean there's yeah I, I can't fully explain it theologically. We know yep. that God is sovereign. We know that He's on the throne, right? We know that He's unchanging. He's in the midst of this. But there are individuals that die a little bit too soon, and we yep. say, wait a minute. That didn't feel right. You hmm. know, there are people that go away and you go, I don't know that that was God's best for wow. them. And hmm. so uh, accessing and connecting with the greater story is choosing and getting into God, what God, God's best for you. That, that plan that he had, that he has set forth for all of us. Come man. on. So. Come on, man. J just a couple of things that I want to highlight based on what we've already talked about is, is number one, God's got a greater story for anybody who's listening. And no yeah. matter where you start, no matter what you've been through, when you connect what you've been through to what God wants to bring you through, Woo! oh my goodness, the sky is the limit for what God will do in and through your life. And so, again, you've got to go read Sam's book because it'll give you a picture of what it looks like to connect your story to God's story. And you'll be able to see some of the possibilities for what can happen. But number two I love in your story, God used somebody else to put you on a platform that you could never put yourself on. That's right. And for many people listening, we've got business leaders, we've got pastors, we've got professional athletes. Your influence might be the very influence that puts somebody else in a position to reach their potential in a way that they couldn't otherwise do on their own. Man, and when it 100. comes to our story, we need each other. 100%. Listen, if you can preach. If y'all haven't heard Josh <laughs> preach before, come on, man. Go online, Google this, brother. I watched a couple of your sermons. I didn't tell you, but I said, I really <laughs> respect, on. like, you can, you really have a gift, man. But, but mm. everything that you're saying is true. I always say this, and me and Reggie Joyner over at Orange, we crafted this statement, and it was about um, helping people, you know, uh, the nuts and the bolts of a greater story, and da 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 da. But we said, every person needs a mentor and a sponsor. Every yep. person needs a mentor mm. and a sponsor. Yes. And and many good. times that can be, you know, the same person. Yeah. But many but sometimes many times it's not the same person, but right. you, everybody needs somebody that's going to pour into them and teach mm. them and show them the way. And then everybody needs someone that's going to platform them. That's mm. a sponsor. That's a sponsor, good. you know what I'm saying? A sponsor yeah. platforms you. They give you opportunities. They and, and, and sometimes it's not the same person. So right. I think we all look can look through our life and see people that were sponsors to us. It's like I yep. didn't know you, but you met me and you just yep. you, you put me on game. You gave yep. me an opportunity. You didn't have time to mentor me, but right. you put me on. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And yeah. we need both. And many yep. times I'll see people that just have mentors, mm. but the mentors can't wow. platform them. Wow. And so they have all the wow. knowledge, mm. right? But they don't have, they don't have um, the opportunities. And so wow. I just want to piggyback on that. And That's as good. we're talking to business leaders and as we're talking to pastors and as we're talking to influencers, I'm going, maybe you can't mentor somebody, but maybe you can sponsor them. Wow. So. I, lo I love that. I love that. We all need a mentor and a sponsor. I think of our relationship and the person who's responsible for our connection was Brad Lominick. That's right. And, and Brad, one of the, the first things he told me in a conversation I had with him, which I've never forgotten. He said, Josh, you need to expand your circle. Hmm. You need to build a circle beyond your current community and city, and you need to engage and connect with others. And, and so he invited me out and us out to the ranch <laughs> and start to build these relationships. And it's like, man, years later, 
I'm able to learn from, connect with, leverage relationships in a way that I otherwise couldn't. It's powerful. Bro, you're so right. And, and I think as you're even saying that, you know, I, I, hear, I can hear somebody asking the question, well, I need a sponsor, right? Like, right. how do I actually get a sponsor? Yes. And obviously, I think the number one way is to pray to God, right? You got to let yeah. God open the door. You got to yes. let him show yes. you. But I also would say that one of the biggest ways to get a sponsor is to become somebody else's. And I don't know how that works, but it's something about giving what we want or giving what we need that opens the door uh, Mm. to helping people do that. But also I would say, you know, what can you do to help someone that you would love to sponsor you? And so many times what I'll do on the front end, because people always ask the question, you know, obviously sponsorship is all about relationship, right? Right. You got to be in relationship with someone. But many, many times, one of the ways that I will develop a relationship with someone that I want to be in relationship with, that I'm praying that God would open the door for once I identify them. So that's what I say, you know, identify the sponsor is I will just, I will figure out a way to help them Mm. before I ask them for something. I'll just Mm. walk in and, 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 Again, uh, sow the seed that I want to, you know, that I want to be sowed into my life. Yep. How can I help you? Hmm. What What are some things? What are some doors I can open? What are some resources yep. that you need? You know, even even if it's just as simple as encouragement. Sometimes yep, people that are in high places that can make decisions, they don't have anyone else encouraging them You're because. Right. They're just giving. And you know, because you're in a position to sponsor, you're in a position to mentor. The higher up, quote unquote, you go, the harder it is to find genuine people that just want to pour into you from a, from a encouragement perspective and not take. You're right. You're right. The the higher most people go, the more people are pulling on them and wanting something from them. And what you're saying is, we don't want, we don't just want something from you. We don't want you to sponsor us. We want something for you. We want to invest Ooh. in you. We want yes. to encourage you. We want, and I'm telling you, encouragement, uh, like genuine care is probably the greatest currency we have when it comes to dealing with high capacity people. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that. I think too, one of the things, one of the reasons why I connect with you so much, man, I grew up being mentored from a distance by Andy Stanley. I wow, mean, man. I was, I was devouring all his books and yeah. and communicating for change and I mean you talk about the bottom line and there there was such a leadership anointing on him on. and other leaders that probably guys in our culture in our in the African American community there just wasn't that same level of leadership content right. being communicated 100% and, and so I, totally- I love yeah man I I I just love seeing like leaders from every uh, walk of life yeah, carry and, and, that leadership. And what I would say, because there's somebody listening going, what, you mean black leaders can't lead? No, I, we're no. not saying that. I think no. what we're saying is, because I experienced this, what we're saying is there aren't a ton of black leaders that actually have leadership content that yes. can teach you how to do it. It's one yes. thing to do it, it's another thing to be able to teach people yes. and to develop resources. Let me yes. say, I, you know, at Orange, we spend a lot of time, um, Orange, Orange Conference for those that are Orange Conference, Orange Tours, yeah. Orange Curriculum. You know, one of my roles at Orange is to help us diversify our platform. So yep. the stages that, you know, that, that we have and the people that we have. And I'm going to tell you, it's one of the things that is 
the criteria for someone being chosen or selected to speak on a main stage is that they have to have leadership content right. because the right. conference is a lead, is kind of a leadership focused conference. Yep. And so I, I can't tell you how many times I have been in a meeting and trying to get someone on a platform and them saying, can you just send me a leadership talk? Can you yes. send me a book that they've written on leadership? Yes. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't have, <laughs> seriously. And it's yeah. so difficult. And, yeah. and some, and some of it has to deal with what our community focuses on. I mean, right. I, right. a ton of our, a ton of our leaders in terms of black leaders have sermon content and they have everyday yes. Christian content yes. and they have, you know, yes. but, but they, but very few that have yes. leadership content. Yes. And Andy Stanley, I mean, he's got like 50 books on leadership. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and they were doing leadership. I think, I think the gap has cl like continued to um, close. There's guys like you. I mean, there's so many more African-American leaders developing great yeah. leadership content today. Obviously, T.D. Jakes has been there for a while. And I think in the last you know decade or so, his content on leadership has, has started to really, I think, catch momentum in the broader culture, but it just wasn't a yeah. thing for me. It, it highlights just the gap within our broader community when it comes to opportunity, when it comes to those who are on the forefront of what's happening, which side note, man, I, I'll just be waiting for my call for the uh, Orange Conference. I know you're looking for a diversity of speakers, man. I'm hey, man, <laughs> come on, baby. Let's come on, figure man. it out. Look, okay, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'm going to tell you who the plug. Can I tell you who the plug is? Brad Lominick. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Come on, Brad. Brad, there is actually a comp, and, but I'm glad you said it because I'm going to put in a good word. There is actually um, a leadership conference within Orange for senior yeah. pastors, and senior and executive leaders. Yes. And Brad Lominick and Kerry Newhoff curate that content. Yes. So yes. I just want to, I want to throw gonna, you know, after we get, we get, get off the call, hey, let's we make the plug. We're going to get in there. We're going to follow up with Brad on that. But I, I want to talk about the gap, the, the, yeah. the, the gap. And, and part of what you do is you try to close the gap. You, you're minding the gap with Orange and, uh, with your podcast and, and your conversations and all that you're curating and doing, like talk to me about what you see when it comes to the black community and the white community and how yeah. you're trying to bridge the gap. Oh man. You know, I remember the first time I went to catalyst conference in Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was, I remember the, I mean the first time yeah. I, I was young. I was maybe 21. I was working. I was at New Birth with Bishop Eddie Long. I was over mm. young adults, uh, uh, high school, college, praise teams, choirs, bands. You know, I had a lot of leadership <laughs> yeah. uh, responsibilities at like 21. And I remember, you know, I, his name was Pastor Darius Wise, who mm. is no longer, um, he's no longer pastoring at, at Denver United, but he was there and still teaching, still, still one of the teaching pastors there. But he was um, my direct report. And I remember him saying, we all going to Catalyst. I said, what is that? <laughs> Catalyst. I'm, yeah. He's like, I'm going to take it easy. Come on, you just got to go. Mm. And I went and I was like, what is this right. world? Like, it mm. was like I went to the backside of the mountain. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yep. I'm like, I didn't even know this was over here. Mm. And so when you talk about the gap, man, you know, it really, I didn't get my first white friend until I was 21. Wow. 
And so you talk about growing up in a homogenous, like, kind of society or, and when I say society, your immediate community, homogenous community, and literally that becomes your world. It's interesting. And what I liken the gap to is, and we'll talk a little bit more in a second. What I liken the gap to is, is like the first time I went to Kenya. Mm. I went to Kenya and I stepped off the plane in Nairobi. And I was like, this is another world. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was like, yeah. And, and, and so what it said to me is that mm. if I don't try hard to get outside of my comfort zone in my circle, right. I may never will. Mm. Right? Yep. I, I never will get outside of that. We, I, and I love you know, the statement, Red, we by osmosis naturally gravitate towards staying in a silo. Right. We naturally gravitate towards staying um, in what's comfortable. And so, man, I think that that's one of the reasons why we have the gap, that there are black communities that don't know any white communities. There are white communities that literally don't have any black friends within it. And what that has created is what Martin Luther King Jr. uh, always talked about, that Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. And Mm. it's so true. Because, and, and it's even true to this day yep. because, I mean, we know, I mean, uh, MTV and hip hop and pop and all, you know, mainstream America, they get it. Right. And, you know, Amazon, right. they get it. Google, they get it. Yep. Right. Yep. Facebook, you know, in terms of the, you know, in terms of the actual platform and all, they get it. We're coming together. Yep. Nelly is doing songs with Florida Georgia Line. Jo- <laughs> you know, Justin Timberlake yeah. is getting with, with Timberlake. Yeah. But for some reason mm. in the church, we just gravitate towards what's comfortable. And so you, right. you have these worlds, man, that focus on different things. It's the reason why I, there's a ton of leadership content in the white context, but yep. there's not a ton of leadership content in the black religious context. Right. And we, we right. it's the reason that one church focuses on, you know, getting through the by and by and another church, you know, in the other context focuses on just being saved and not going to hell. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. That's, yeah. not, that's, that's an overgeneralization. Oh, yeah. That's an yeah. overgeneralization. Um, because not all of black churches are focused on their white churches, right. but wow. there are, that, that are, we talk about majority, right? Yep. Um, there are a ton that are. So it's just, man, this, the, the, the gap is wide, bro. But l- l- let me ask you this, and uh, we might get a little controversial. Maybe controversial is the, the, the wrong word, but I want to press into something a little bit. And you Please. talk about the gap. You talk about your own experience in going to Kenya and yeah. how, how stark of a contrast it was when you walked off that plane. You, you mentioned going to North Point which correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a predominantly white suburban Mm -hmm. culture when it comes to church. And so you step into that uh, church and I don't know what role you took on, but it was it important for you to speak and understand their culture and to speak their language. And, And how much of that has played into you and guys like us learning, having to learn a language and a culture that isn't naturally uh, given or passed down and having to adapt? Yeah. You know, I I would say, you know, on the statistics and it definitely was probably about 90% white when I got there. Yeah. And 10 being other, not necessarily Mm. just black, but other. Since I've got, since I've been there and this will speak to progress, it's increased about 30% now. Wow. You know what I mean? And that's a yeah, lot that's out of 40,000 people. 
Um, yep. But I think a large part of that is, you know, what T.D. Jake says, if I don't see me, it's not for me. So I think people yep. started seeing me more on stages and they got more African-American leaders and a little bit more Hispanic leaders and da 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 And it increased. Yep. Still 70% of 40,000 is a lot of white people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, um, and, 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 and so with that being said, yes, I think when I, when I came in, I had to ask the question, you know, how can I become relevant mm. to a new context mm. without losing my authenticity? That's good. And that was very hard, bro. Mm. And what, what that meant is that, yes, I had to learn white culture first. Mm. I had to learn, you know, I always say this, my learning curve was huge at North Point because North Point is, I always say, North Point, you got white churches, black churches, Hispanic churches, multicultural churches, then you got North Point. <laughs> Just, it's on a whole, you know, Andy is like floating in his own world. He's doing his mm. own thing. He has his own ethos. You know, he's got, you know, he pretty much, you know, with, with the last book, Irresistible, went after a theological reformation. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's just like, you know, so, which yeah. we don't have to talk about. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But so with that being said, I had to learn white culture. Then I had to learn white church culture. Mm. Then I had to learn North Point. So you put wow. all three of those together and, wow. and you're talking about somebody that comes. I was, I was the first of my kind. And what I say mm. by that, what I mean by that is not just black. Cause there was some, there were definitely some black individuals that were leading, but I was kind of the first that came from a Pentecostal black wow. church mm. background. Mm. So that, that, that made the learning curve even bigger. Yep. Um, and so man, it, it, and so when I teach on even diversity now, I, I, I teach on my story and, mm. but I reverse it. I go, I had to do all these things to learn wow. about white culture and to be relevant in white culture. If you're going to be relevant to another culture, to any culture, you got to do the same thing I did, but in reverse. And yes. so what did that look yes. like? It looked, I had to learn, I had to learn the music. Mm. I had, I had to learn yep. the food. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I had to learn the idiosyncrasy. You know, look, yeah, I, I yeah, want yeah. some more seasoning on that food. Yeah. I need a little bit more seasoning <laughs> on that chicken. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I need it. I, I had to learn the customs. I had to learn what yeah, was yeah, appropriate yeah. and what was not appropriate. What about how and to dress? What about I, how to dress? Oh, man. Come on. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, they, they let me wear the Jordans maybe once. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I came, I was able to come, you know, but it was like, I got to put the loafers on and I yeah, got to, yeah, I got to yeah. do the button down and I got, you know, and, 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 yeah. and it's what you have to do. And, and mm. the good thing about North Point is they've evolved and they were yeah. on that journey. So they yeah. let me take more risks than they, mm. and probably other white contexts that I've been in. Right, right. But, but, but with that, you know, it, it is, you know, we call it code switching, you know, mm. we call it codes. Yeah. You yep. have to code switch. You mm. have to do what you have to do to be appropriate and to be digestible mm. Yes, to a culture that is not familiar with your culture besides what they see on Tyler Perry movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it just yeah. becomes who you are or what they see in the news. And it's yeah. like, you know, and it is what it is. Because before yeah. I got white friends, I thought all white people were one way. Right. And right. so it was what it was. I'm like, y'all don't right. like this. Y'all, all y'all can't dance. All y'all can't da 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 da. All y'all race. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. because that's what I was fed. And yeah. so it, it's, it, it's easy to see 
how when you're not around another culture, when you're mm. not culturally sensitive or developed, yep. um, how you can limit that culture. I love just hearing you share and I see why God has used you to be such a bridge because you, you don't share from a place of hurt or pain. You share from yeah. a place of gratitude and you've been grateful for the experiences and opportunities that God has given you. And even uh, you see it from your own perspective, how you've had to, you know, shift some of your own beliefs and perspective on the yeah. white culture. I do think there's something about when you're not a part of the dominant culture, in order to gain influence in the dominant culture, you have to understand that culture. Yeah. And, and you've had to do that. You had to do that at North Point. And I think just as a whole, you know, a lot of people that are a part of the dominant, let's say white culture, don't ever see the need or feel like they have to understand other cultures because quite frankly, that's not gonna change the budget. That's not going to change right. the the influence that they they already have. Um, they, they they don't see the need for it at a at a greater level. I'd love to ask you though, because I know you work with businesses, the yeah. Chick Fil A's of the world. You consult them and other businesses. What is the business world doing that the church can learn from? Oh man. Um, well, one let me one more thing about diversity, and then I'm gonna jump yeah. into the, I'm gonna jump into the business world. Um, I don't. It, I speak about it very positively because I'm on the other side, um, yep. and not just North Point. But I mean, I've been in so many white organizations, and I've had to um, learn. But and there were some painful moments in some organizations for sure. Mm. And that that the most painful moment is when you have to make the choice between do I cross this line or do mm. I do or do I keep my authenticity? Mm. It's the authenticity line. It's good. And there have been many opportunities I've had to turn down because I was being asked to change who I was mm. versus adapting to a new environment. Yeah. Because it's, it's one thing, I always say the best type of diversity is when you can be authentically you mm. and relevant to a yeah. new space. That's good. And, and, and many times that's threatened. And so I would mm. just encourage any minority um, that's in an environment, uh, that's in a predominant environment and they're being challenged to not be them. Um, for the sake of being accepted. I was they don't ever trade your mm. culture or your authenticity. Now there may be now, you know, Paul says I become all things to all men that I yeah, might yeah. Win. So a part of, so a part of that is becoming all things to all men, but mm. you can become all things to all men without losing you. That's good. And but but that's a conscious decision. And many mm. people will try to take that from you. Mm. And you have to grab a hold. And if and if, if you have to like if you have to if it's between taking an opportunity and losing you, then you got to you got to lose the opportunity. So that's good. I'll say that. Anyway, so in terms of well, the business, let, let, please, let me say please. this as you transition to the business world, because that's so good. What like is 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 the business world or the church world? Which culture is uh, leading the way in terms of this diversity conversation? Which environment or culture is actually jumping into it? Is it is it similar? Is one different than the other? Like, how is what you just said translate as you work yeah. in the business community? Man, that's so good. I um, you know, the culture. Well, the church is always twenty years behind the world. Mm. Always mm. in music, in that's good. In leadership. It, I mean, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Now, and, and again, you have your outliers because, you know, 
uh, I'm always thinking about my white friends. They're like, no, it's yeah. not everybody. I mean, you got to be. I'm like, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not that like, you have one or two outliers. Yeah. But for the, for the, for, but for the most part, mm. we're always 20 years behind culture wow. and diversity, all of that. And so, you know, what the conversation that the business world is, ha- is having now that I spend a lot of time in the business world helping them think through diversity as well is the conversation they're having is not about representation. They're having it about power. Mm. And, and, you know, they're like, Hey, we got, you know, out of a hundred fortune 500 CEOs, we got 10 minorities. Mm. We need to get that number up to 50%. You know, they're talking about power Mm. um, and influence. You know, they're talking about, Hey, now we've diversified our organization, but now, are we culturally sensitive? Is it a place where, you know, as a black woman or a black man or Hispanic, when you get excited, people are not going, oh, he's the angry black guy now. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, right. Um, it's, it's how do we honor what you're doing? It's how do we give you a seat at the highest table, mm. not just a seat in the room? It's good. And so I think in the church, we're having the conversation about representation. Yeah. We're like, we're still on a representation conversation. Mm. But, and what when when we need to be on the power conversation and the dynamics right. conversation. But I'll say this. It's interesting to me that um, in the business world, I think it's easier for them to embrace it because it's about their bottom line. Mm. It's money. So it's how do we get more market share? Right. You know, does that make sense? And so yeah. I, I think it's an it's easier... Tangible. Yeah, it's a tangible like, hey, if we don't diversify, we won't get yep. the Hispanic market. If we yep. don't diversify, we won't get the yep. black market. And because business and capitalism is all about, which America is founded on capitalism, right, right, right? Because it's all about the biggest and who's getting it the fast, you know, and yep. who's growing. Once you got white people, where else you gonna go? You know what I'm right, saying? Right. And so you <laughs> right. have to focus on that. In the church, hmm. unfortunately. I think for many of us, we have we have chosen to be okay with reaching one community. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not the I mean, that's not the gospel. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's all mm. should be said. I mean, it mm. it jumps from, you know, Israel being the ones to whoa, whoa, whoa we gotta open this thing up. Right. Gentiles and alike. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like everybody. Right. Come, you know, needs to come. And so, and, and again, I, I don't mean, I don't, I don't think, I'm not saying you have to try to reach people that you can't reach, like that aren't in your right. vicinity. Right. You talk about people coming in, right? If your, your city, if, you, if your church is about reaching your city, you got right. 10% minorities. Well, I'm not going to be mad at you. You know what I'm right. saying? Because right. you ain't reached a hundred, right. you don't have them in the city. Right. Um, but what are you doing to reach the 10? Yeah. Um, and then now that we've got, uh, can I say, now that we've got the, the web. Right, right, right. Now we are responsible for reaching the world. Right. We're, earlier when you were, when you were talking, I, I thought about that when you were talking about the business community, they're going after market share and they're going after the entire market. And right. until they have the entire market, they're not satisfied. Yeah, and no. in our markets, we've, we've, shrunk our markets down to a local community that isn't yeah. representative of the entire gospel in God's heart. And I think right. too, like if I look in scripture, 
they were focused on cities and locations. Now we're so focused on unique expressions. And so it's okay yeah. to have a church on every corner because we're a different denomination or we're a different expression mm. versus man together. We're going after a city, which requires that we engage in diversity. 100%. And, and, and I think it begs the question, what does it really mean to become all things to all men? Mm. Because yeah. I think we'll say that until we have to change something. Mm. Right. And, and that's, that's right. Can I say that's true of, of a lot of races, but definitely in the white race, it's, yep. you know, you, you, you want to reach all men, you want to become all things, but you don't want to change one song. Right. You don't want to, you know, go and research one community. You don't, right. You don't want to take a risk at losing certain members mm. by talking about something that impacts another culture because, yep. Now it's like, but but wait, but but I thought we were we were gonna become all things to all men. That's right. That we might win some, but but really, what that means for many people is I'm gonna become all things to all these type of men. Right, right, right. And women, not all right. men. But the scriptures say all, and mm. the Great Commission says all. And mm. for those that are in a city where it's where minorities are down the street, mm. come on, we don't have any excuse. Come on, come on. We don't and, have any excuse. Come on. Go ahead. In Andy Stanley's book, Irresistible, he, he reminds us that to love our neighbor is to love people who are not like us. And so yeah. on any given Sunday, we're worshiping mostly with people who are like us. And so yeah. to create and be the type of church that goes to other parts of the city, that extends beyond our comfort zone and engages a community that's so different than us, it is not only right, but it's biblical. it's biblical. And it's not only what we see in the business community as, as engaging a broader community, but it's the heart of the gospel. And so yeah. I just think as, as, as faith leaders, we have such an opportunity. And I preached a message at, over Easter, and I, my bottom line was crisis is a catalyst for change when mm. Christ is in the crisis. And mm. I just believe that this, this COVID-19 crisis and even this, you know, Ahmad uh, Arbery crisis where his life is, is, has yeah. been taken unjustly presents an opportunity for the church to change. And we yeah. talked about before, I mean, this crisis, the COVID-19 crisis has affected the black community in significant ways. Yeah. What have you seen uh, in terms of how this crisis has affected the black community? Oh, man. I, um, you know, I don't know who said this. I think maybe it was Kerry Newhoff who said that crisis just magnifies what was already there. Yep. It, it, it speeds it up. It escalates mm. it. It multiplies it. It just, it, it magnifies it. So right. what, was, what was already there just gets bigger. Mm. And so... I think, you know, minorities and black people were struggling and right. dealing with stuff before COVID-19. Right. They didn't have proper health care before COVID-19. Right. They were dealing with, you know, certain poverty before in terms of the ratio of, right. you know, we, the average black family in America makes 30 grand a year. Mm. The average white family makes 100,000. Yep. So with that being said, 
it just magnified it. So no, of course the deaths are more, mm. you know, um, they were already struggling. They right. had health problems already. Diabetes was already running rampant through the community. Mm. Um, they, they were already without jobs. So they were all yep. their immune systems. I mean, so, I mean, we, we see African-Americans dying in droves. Mm. Um, it's ridiculous. Um, yep. they, they, in certain communities, they don't have the proper, you know, uh, 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 precautions in place in yep. certain restaurants. So, you know, we're here in Atlanta and Atlanta right now is open. Well, most of the country is not open. Right. Atlanta and Georgia, the state, the entire state is open. Wow. I think you can't have over 50 people, but all businesses are open right now. Mm. And so yep. with that being said, I wasn't concerned about Alpharetta. I wasn't concerned about certain, you know, certain parts of Marietta, certain right. parts of Buckhead. I was concerned about Bankhead. Mm. I was concerned about Donnelly Hollowell, yep. where they were already poor and they were already dealing with stuff. Mm. And the precautions weren't, weren't in place right. to help them navigate certain things. So if I go into a grocery store in Alpharetta, right, which I do often, mm. then everybody got a mask on. Everybody. Right, right. Yep. And yep. on the door, there's a sign that says yep. we're limiting the amount of people in the store. Right. You go to the hood. <laughs> Maybe. Right. <laughs> Maybe. There, there, ain't no, there, there ain't no mask. No and signs, they, look, no they mask. Can't find, no signs, no, they can't yeah. find a mask. I mean, so yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, so, you know, it's, it's, it's the result of, of, of what was already there, man. Yeah. And so it's just killing us faster. So, so, so like in terms of even what we were talking about earlier, I think this crisis has highlighted some of the challenges in the black community. But number yeah. two, I think this crisis creates incredible opportunity for the church because through yeah. this crisis, it highlights those challenges. And, and, and for me, it says we can no longer not be a part of the solution. We, we, we right. see the challenges. We understand them. We've got to go. We've got to be a part of the solution. I mean, I'll bring up the, the Ahmad Arbery situation where <clears throat> this individual on a jog gets murdered. And, and then for several months, the story uh, is basically unsolved. There's footage showing exactly right. what happened, but the individuals don't get arrested. No action is taken until it becomes public. Another, for me, another crisis situation that causes us to no longer look the other way, but hopefully is a catalyst to saying, we've got to change some things in our churches and we've got to be a part of the solution. Have you seen that happen or have you been a part of some of those conversations? In terms of just kind of the church shifting, am I right? Like to, yeah. to, to navigate the Ahmad situation. I um, 100%, man, I, I, I say, I, I hate to say it this way. This is the only, this is the best term I've gotten though for this mm. is that it was truly a perfect storm kind of moment. And it's mm. not, obviously it's horrible. It's a tragic, I mean, it's horrible. It's horrific. Yep. Um, it's not, it's not perfect. Right. Uh, but in terms of the perfect storm for the church being a catalyst of change. Mm. And I think for years, you know, with these shootings, you know, someone asked me, I did an interview about this with preemptive love recently. And they said, uh, you know, how will you, you know, when you first heard about it, what was, and I said, it was just another shooting. I mean, right. 
<laughs> you know, I like right. I become right. so desensitized to yep. you know shooting after shooting after shooting after shooting um, that you know you you start forgetting the names, right? right. You're like, okay, Tamir Rice, okay, right. Tavon Martin, okay, right. uh, what's his name? Okay, what's his you know? Oh, okay, now we got a you know. So you start, and so I said it took me a while to um to really get it you know in my system because I'd be like, okay, let me. But I'm going to tell you how I got it in my system. White mm. pastors started calling me. Yep. And it was a surprise mm. because I was like, what is it about this moment that allows for them to truly get it? And, and I think it, it was a perfect storm kind of moment where I think minorities, and this speaks to change, right? I, I want to yep. throw this out there for minorities and even for uh, white individuals that have been advocating for these types of issues. Mm. that the more you speak up and create awareness, it does do something. That's good. And so they give me a call. And I think we've been, everybody's been screaming so much over the last five years about all of these shootings and challenging um, a lot of clergy that are of the opposite persuasion to think, to talk, to say something. And we've had those hard conversations. Okay, well, okay, well, okay. Now what were the facts? Okay. Okay, now what happened? Okay, and then after, oh, wait a minute, he didn't get convicted. Right. He didn't go to jail. There was nothing. He got off. Okay, sure. Okay, we, we found out there was some malicious thing. Maybe he had a record. Right. But he didn't deserve to die. And now he got shot. And now, and nothing happened. He got off. Right. You know, there was no penalty. I mean, right. so I think right. after all of these years i think Mm. finally this situation was the perfect storm for white leaders to go oh wait a minute i've been learning now i can apply Mm. that video was so horrific of him just jogging Mm. it was just like okay guys i remember texting some white leaders in the like i got up i said look y'all this is the one yep you got to say something about this one Mm. this is the one um, uh-huh. And so, man, I, I, I think a lot of the, I, I hate to say this, but it's true. I think there were no police involved, which mm. made it a lot easier for white leaders to get involved. Wow. That's unfortunate, mm. but it is wow. what it is. Every time I do a race conversation around America in a church, specifically around brutality or, or race in general, um, the 10% of the audience leaves out of 90. Wow. Most of them are police officers. Mm. Uh, eight, yep. Probably about eighty percent are officers, wow. and so, and I get it. You know, they've got you know they they're in the field. You know, for for a large part, the police community is kind of like a gang in itself in a in a healthy way. Yeah. But you know, they. I mean, I've even heard about police gangs though, like right. that were that are negative. But you know, wow. it's kind of a community, so they protect each other. Right. A lot of them are in the field, whatever. And then there's also a. a there's a big history of racism in the, in the police community. I mean, right. we know that right. the, you know, law enforcement began in slavery. So hmm. um, with all that being said, I think this was just an easy one for, wow. and I say easy as in it was the least complicated for white leaders to jump in on hmm. and for white people because there were no police officers involved. Yep. He was a former officer, yep. But he was no longer an officer. Mm. He was jogging. The video was clear. The culmination of all of these years of learnings and boom. Wow. So 
I've actually been encouraged by the white community on this one. <laughs> right. They've spoken up a lot more. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's hard to say that, but it's so true. And right. I, think for, I, I, I think for a lot of the reasons why you're saying what you're saying, we're actually holding a, a gathering here this week to have conversation. And, and I feel like the perfect storm between COVID-19, this uh, just – tragic situation like it's just highlighted some of the challenges and it's highlighted the gap and i've got more i would say pastors and leaders saying you know what it's not okay for us to just sit on the sidelines and watch we've got to use our voice we've got to use our influence we've got to be a part of the solution man i could talk for days with you we don't have to have a part two three sometime in the future I mean, you're, you're, you're everywhere, by the way. I mean, you've got your book coming out. You're all, all over social media. <laughs> Go to Amazon, Amazon and order a greater story. Come on, man. I'm, I'm, hey, I'm going to get my copy. I'm going to Amazon. I'm going to send it to you so I can get your signature in it because it's going to be worth something. Hey, whatever you want. <laughs> all right. Your light-skinned brother in Omaha, Nebraska. That's how I want you to uh, put it out to That's what you want me to say. <laughs> that's what I want you to say. But, but, but seriously, bro, thanks for taking the time. Just one last thought as we think about really trying to help inspire people to use their influence to impact the world around race, around social justice, around their story. What is maybe one final piece of encouragement that you would uh, invite people into during this season? Yeah, man, I think what I would say is in every um, how do I want to say it? In every crisis, in every, here it is, change, because that's what this is. It's a change. Yep. In every shift, there are two opportunities. There's a, mm. there's a challenge and then there's, there's opportunities. There's challenge and opportunities. There's two things. Mm. Um, and you can either choose to focus on the challenge or you yeah. can choose to focus on the opportunity. That's good. In every shift, there's a challenge and there's an opportunity. You can choose to focus on one or the other. And my encouragement to all of us is, you know, I, you have to deal with the challenges appropriately, right? I'm mm. not saying don't deal with it. You have to. But don't miss the opportunities. Yep. Focusing on the challenges so much. Mm. Get your challenges done, right? Steward them, manage them. For, for many of us, we've all had challenges. I mean, I, I've had deaths in the family yep. since COVID-19 that died from the, I mean, I, I, mm. we've had to change our, our entire uh, financial makeup during mm. this season when, you know, we, we travel, we speak, we do a ton of things. Right. We've right. had to go digital. We've had to figure <clears throat> out new business models. We're entrepreneurs. There's been yep. challenges, mm. but... I have found that our, that our success has not come from just solely focusing on the challenges. That's right. Our success during this season has come from looking at the opportunities. Mm. And I found that the, the businesses that shift, the leaders that shift, the individuals mm. that shift towards the opportunity while they manage the challenge are the ones that come out winning on the other side. Come on. Come on. And so I would encourage people to do that. As we talk even about finance and I'm done, yes. um, you know, one of the things I realized about money from an economist that I spoke to in this time, I made him walk me through mm. every depression, through every recession that America has ever been in. Mm. And, and as I walked through them, 
what I realized and what he helped me realize about money is that it, it, it truly is currency. Wow. Currency meaning it flows. So yeah. whether it, if it's in one place, if it moves, it's going somewhere else. But the great thing about currency and water is that it never goes away. Wow. And so because money mm. is there, you just got to figure out where it's flowing and mm. find it. And you can only find it when you're looking at the opportunities. There are some wow. businesses and organizations and churches that giving is up. Right, right. Right, business, business has flown through the roof. Now, there's mm. st some stock that's dropped all the way to the bottom, but right. Zoom stock is through the roof. <laughs> Right, but it's because right. they re they've responded to the opportunity. Facebook is now shifting. So I would say that shift with the Come change on. to the opportunity and watch God do some incredible things. Come on, man. Such a timely word, seeking the opportunity in the midst of the challenges that we're going through. Every single one of us has a story. And if we can connect our story to God's story, watch out. That's where history starts to happen. We can be a part of seeing somebody else's story reach the potential that God has for them too. And when it comes to the, the justice and, and, and racial challenges and reconciliation, we all have a role to play. And we all get the mm -hmm. opportunity to see things from other people's perspective. We get the opportunity to encourage people to walk alongside them. And I just think now more than ever, that now is an opportunity to allow the crisis in our world to produce change in all of our lives. That's my encouragement. Sam, thank you for spending some time, bro. Thanks for sharing. Hey, for anybody who wants to check you out, where's the best place to find you? Man, Google me. Google! <laughs> <laughs> just, just type in Sam Collier. Or just go to, I would love for you to go, just go to a greaterstory.org. A greaterstory.org. And everything's there. Come on, man. Well, make sure you guys go follow him. Check him out. This brother, you're going to want to see what he's doing because he's talking to, sitting down with, interviewing everybody and a mama. And uh, so much fun. I just appreciate you, man. And anybody who's listening, we say it all the time. You're not called to do everything, but God has gifted you to do something. Find Woo. out what it is. Find out where he's giving you influence. Use your influence. Leverage your influence. Maximize your influence so you can impact the world around you. You can check out this podcast at AbideOmaha.org or wherever podcasts are shared. <laughs>